This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 480 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Saturday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Just your usual Windows problems. If I sound a little different, because I'm using a different mic today for some reason. I had to uh, I had to replace the USB cable on the other one. It was a little bent out of shape. And now the other cable, uh, the good laptop doesn't want to recognize it. So I'm going with my... Uh, wireless Bluetooth headset that I use for work, which is great on those calls. But if I sound a little different today, that's what it is. I'll tell you what. 
when technology doesn't work, I'm usually super chill and patient with it. It doesn't bother me at all. So I don't know what you're talking about with this anger. I'm just yeah, I know. I'm not yeah. really angry either. I mean, technology always works as a technology guy. I mean, you know, I, whatever. It's it's a it's a flaw for me. It's it's something I greatly overreact when technology doesn't work. I have uh, pretty much like a 100% success rate expectation, which is going to lead to disappointment. I know, I know. Especially the worst is something like what you did. All you did was replace the cable. You're putting in some a better version. It should exactly. be working. And, of course, it doesn't. That's when I, like, I don't understand. You know, I did the things that are supposed to work but yeah we don't want to linger on that we are recording i was worried that you weren't going to be able to record at all so i'm glad we're talking and uh, i didn't have a question today but you came up with one and i like it and i'm, I'm wondering if there's cer- certain incidences that uh, sparked the question for you but it's a very good question to discuss why do managers ignore ttop which is th- uh times through the order penalty Yes, they they ignored and pissed me off is what they do. Um, I had a win all lined up last night for Alex Cobb and Mike Fires, um, and I had to settle for a Mike Fires win. Your boy Uh, Fires, man. I tell you what, I put him in the roto right up today and uh, even mentioned that, that that you had it. Uh, you know that you mentioned him on the podcast and saying you know just stick with him especially in deeper leagues and and things will turn like regression has to strike and he's been he's been tremendous but what happened with Cobb yeah so I mean a couple of weeks ago I had neither of these guys in my pitching staff I traded Cameron Maben for Alex Cobb straight up uh, because you'll know from the discussions where we said you know Cameron Maben's gonna Cameron Maben here at some point I need to move him and sure enough, the scary he, part <laughs> he gets hurt. He get hurt. Um, and then uh, I traded Seth Smith and Alberto Mejia to Seth Trackman to get Mike Fires. Uh, and then, but I didn't get the 11 strikeout game, but I did get last night's. But I had that win all lined up, and they let Cobb come out for the ninth inning. Uh, 27th battery faces was Joey Gallo leadoff double on the second pitch, and then they let him face the 28th hitter, which was Shinshu Chu for the fourth time. Now. Two lefties, uh, by the way. And I know that he's not always uh, pr- split-prone because of the right. change-up, but when it's not uh, – uh, it's I don't know. I just I don't like letting him face those two lefties, even Gallo. Because strikeouts aren't part of Cobb's game, so you're not really expecting even a Gallo strikeout. So letting him face those two lefties doesn't seem like a good idea. What happened then, Jason? Well, I mean, the whole thing – and the other thing – Guy Rexford wrote this up this morning uh, – Wrote this up at the process report. Just go there, find Cobb's picture, click on it, processreport.net. Uh, but the issue there was fourth time, he had only seen 10 pitches. Now, a lot of the times, the times to the order penalty is because of the extra exposure uh, a, a pitcher exactly. has to a batter, right? Well, Chu had only seen a total of nine pitches in the previous three at bat. So it's not like he had seen everything. And in fact, in going back and looking at it, Cobb had mixed it up gone out, gone in. It wasn't like he was the same thing each one of the three times because each one had a different purpose. Twice he was trying to generate ground ball double plays, and he did. Um, So coming into that, he had a a hard line-out contact and then two ground balls, nothing had left the infield. But the other thing is he had not swung and missed at any of the pitches. When he swung, he made contact, either fouled him off or put him into play. And then with a leadoff man at second with nobody out in a two-run game, your most desirable outcome is to strike somebody out. Mm-hmm. Well, if you hadn't got him to swing and miss at anything in the first three, it ain't happening here either. Uh, and it, sometimes you'll see guys, do, uh, managers do this when they when they're when they're a bullpen's down. I mean, your your closer can't make it out there to protect every save. 
uh, and sometimes you're going to ask your guys to go extra uh, length in the game. In this case, that wasn't, you know, Boxberger, Hunter, and Colome of the A bullpen. All three were ready. Colome was up in the bullpen, and he lets Cobb face Chu, hangs a splitter on the first pitch on the outer side, and Chu takes Double. an oppo. Uh, you know, it's it just. Unless you're in my rule, this is what I would like to see as a new rule, and it should be like on the right there next to the no gambling in the clubhouse. It should be unless this pitcher is going for a perfect game or a no hitter, they should not face the 28th batter of the game. It just doesn't make sense. You like, look at the numbers across the league; it is terrible. Fourth time through the and Cobb's numbers are ridiculously bad. Uh, fourth time through the order, Archers are bad too. But that that rule should apply to every pitcher not chasing a perfect game or a no hitter. Pull them. Just do it and be done with it because you're you're flirting with disaster. You're just asking for trouble. And, I mean, we've seen it just pan out. And I think it's actually getting worse because of the, uh, the, the, the in-game scouting that you can do with technology and kind of see what, what they're doing to approach you uh, or, or, yeah, the approach they're taking against you as a hitter. The craziest thing about Chu's day is he had the five plate appearances, ten pitches, including a walk. So he did have a walk in there, even though um, he only saw 10 pitches. So he was hacking uh, outside of that, and then hits the two-run homer. And then, of course, they win it in the 10th on a uh, on a base. Well, oh, they intentionally walked him, though. Okay. so They intentionally walked him in the 10th. Yeah, they intentionally walked him in the 10th to uh, because it was a leadoff walk to Lucroy, and they pinch ran uh, with the Shields, the shields and yeah. then uh, – then they had second and third with one out, and then they they. Uh, um, okay, less impressive. In then. some case, in some whatever, I forgot the exact order of events, but they had intentionally walked you in the tenth. Okay, uh, and they, and I, I know that's what it was. They intentionally walked him in the tenth to bring Andrus to the plate, and I'm like, I'm at the pool listening to the game, talking with some neighbors, and I'm like, get. Yeah, they're going to lose this game now. I'm like, why? They're like, why? Well, I said, Andrus is my boy. I know he's going to deliver in this situation. And sure enough, he did. So it helped my fantasy team in that I got another RBI. It hurt it that I didn't get the win. It hurt my real-life team because they didn't get the win. And, oh, yeah, I got a win from Trevor Bauer on my bench. But it would have been one of those 540 ERAs and two yep. whip. That's the win I left on the bench. And I'm fine with doing that. I, don't, uh, I just don't trust him. I just... But, Jesus, stop. Managers. New rule, no 28th batter in the game unless they're trying to chase history. Complete games, no otherwise, are just are just machismo crap. Yeah, there, there, there's just no excuse, like you said, particularly with the bullpen that they had available because Colome and Boxberger both came in in that game. So it, it is ridiculous. We see it across the league regularly where guys just leave them in too long. And being able to get through that third time is, is kind of the what takes a pitcher to the next level. A lot of guys can get through twice that third time uh, which is the key one, although it's becoming less important because bullpens are becoming you know deeper and deeper. But the pitchers who can handle that third time with regularity are the ones who are the best in the league. Um, Jason, we're going to talk a lot of pitchers today. We're going to talk some hitters at the end, but uh, three bits of news uh, surrounding pitchers. Two guys returning and a guy making his MLB debut. Colin McHugh is back. Uh, Yay! He's going to make his season debut you know, I just got to imagine you like him because you like Mike Fires, and there isn't a whole lot of difference. But what what are you what are you looking for out of Colin McHugh? Again, this is his season debut. He missed so much time with with injury. What are you expecting out of McHugh down the stretch? I mean, it's a perfect time for him to debut. He gets a debut against the Orioles, 
which is what you want. I mean, last night I used Fires in DFS and got 30 points out of him because he got the win and he got strikeouts and he only allowed one in runs. So it was a really nice match. And this this should be a good matchup for him as well, uh, for, for McHugh as well. And, I mean, he can get up there and get his strikeouts. The run support has been – you know, with Correa out, it's a little bit different. It's not the automatic sure. just, you know, I'm going to get a ton of runs here. But even last year, before he went down, you know, he was pitching well. He had three stink bombs in the second half last year. He had a, uh, the one against your Tigers where they put like an eight spot on him and they yanked him in the second. Then he had one against Baltimore, of all teams, uh, last year. And uh, six earned, uh, seven runs, six earned in three. And then he had another one uh, against Texas where he couldn't get out of the fifth inning. But outside of that, it's a lot of zero ones and two earned runs uh, in, that, in that run. He was striking out five, six. You see a lot of that in his box score. So for him, if he can go out there and just you just want quality starts for him. And and you get a quality start as an Astro, you are going you're gonna get a win. I mean, uh, it's really it feels, really tough not to get a win. Yeah. You can go out there and do six innings, three earned runs, you're getting a win. I mean I yeah, I would take a bunch of six and threes out of, out of McHugh. You look at his last twenty starts last year, including those three duds, and he had a three seventy nine ERA and hundred and ten strikeouts in hundred and fourteen innings. Um, you know, he's not he won six of his final eight last year. It's not going to be With a season team. changer, but he's going to be somebody that, that is strong, I think. I, I think he's going to be somebody that you want. You want to stream him in um, in shallower leagues, and I, I think you want to scoop him for the long haul in, in 15 teams and beyond. And, of course, AL, I think he could become, obviously, if he's on somebody's DL, he's not going to be available. But the leagues where he is, he could be a little bit of a game changer in AL only. I like Colin McHugh just for the team context and the fact that I think he can eat those uh, those innings and get – uh, some wins pretty easily. Danny Salazar returns, and obviously he's got the talent to be more of a game changer. Uh, he hasn't been this year, although or, sure he is, but he's changing the game in the wrong way. He's been terrible. yeah, that's a, he's changed some games. <laughs> it's dude. a lot of game changing. Uh, I think it goes from a surefire win to a loss for the Cleveland Indians. But uh, you know the strikeouts are still there. It's actually career best, twelve point six strikeout rate. But the walks are up, and we've seen that the last two years and. His first three years, he was a great example, Danny Salazar was, of control versus command. He could put it in the zone um, and, and had sub-three walk rates, which is really nice with the strikeout stuff that he had, but he wasn't great at spotting the ball. And so he had 1.2, 1.1, and 1.1 um, homer per nine rates in those three seasons. Well, then last year, he started to lose his, his control even with 4.1 walks and still had a 1.0 homer per nine rate it all came to a head this year 4.6 on the walks 1.8 on the homers and it, and the hits have even spiked to 9.7 it's 55 innings though and if the uh if the sore shoulder that put him on the dl it was you know lingering throughout this, this these first 55 innings it probably stands to reason that it had an impact on uh some of the poor results that he had danny salazar we've been huge fans in the past but where do you currently stand with him well, now that Michael Pinata's down on the disabled list, maybe this is our new guy to go through. Because, I mean, it, there's a couple things to look at with him. I mean, it, he has a career-best swinging strike rate right now, and it's not even close. He's at 16% where he's been 11 or 12 the last few years. That's reliever-esque. Yeah. yeah, and then in the zone, his contact rate is strike is. is contact rate within the strike zone is 78%, and it's been 83 to 84 the last few years. So when everything is right, he's really tough to hit, but there's no middle ground. I mean, he's having trouble getting ahead. I mean, his first pitch strike rate is 58%, which we know is suboptimal for a starting pitcher. Uh, 
and then you know, uh, batting average on balls and plays up at 366. Uh, home run rates at 22%, where he's been a 10 to 13% guy. He's going to allow his home runs. When you're a guy that, when you got feature that off-speed pitch that he does, he's going to hang some. He pitches up in the zone with the fastball and down in the zone with the off-speed pitch. Um, so you know he's prone to prone to some home runs, but not one of every five fly balls. No, that should get better. And really, it's a matter of watching him. If you've got him, you haven't cut him. If he's available, I don't. You know, we didn't look at his availability, but it, it, okay. you want to watch and watch. Watch the catcher's glove and watch where the ball ends up. If if you see if you see Jan Gomes moving the ball, move the glove around too much, then it could be the same old problems again. But that's really it's it's separates him from what being amazing and just being a, a frustrating talent because Absolutely. you can see the pieces are here, but if he can't put it where he need, where the catcher's calling for it, I don't care. Yeah, I've clearly been obsessed with Danny Salazar. If you go to his profile page on Fangraphs. Uh, and it lists like the last five articles that they've been featured in. And <laughs> four were you? <laughs> four are the podcasts. So I'm pretty obsessed with them. And I say me because I make the list. So I've obviously been talking about him a lot this year. And I think it's because he has been so frustrating. 55% at ESPN. He's going to be available in a lot of shallow leagues. Obviously, AL, he was simply DL'd. And even deeper leagues, I bet he's on some DL. So he's not going to be available everywhere. But Danny Salazar is going to be available for some of you shallow leaguers. And I think he's somebody you want to take a look at because, again, he can he can be uh, very important, and he can have a huge stretch if things are right. So I'm gonna watch this. Uh, I'm gonna watch this start today for sure, and uh, report about it in the Roto write up on Sunday. Just uh, I want to take a look. I want to see where we're at with him. Anthony Banda is the number one prospect in the Arizona Diamondbacks farm system. That doesn't say a whole lot. I don't mean to to crap on Banda. It's just not a good system. So. You can't hear that. It, it doesn't mean the same for every team. I mean, there's probably guys that are 10, 15 deep in the Yankee system. That would be number one over here. The number 15 the in the White Sox is better than anybody oh in the Arizona's prospects. Uh, absolutely. Same, yeah, with the White Sox and the, and the Giants and the Angels. The Yankees, White Sox, Brewers, Braves, they've got guys that run deep. Anyway, so Band is the number one guy, which means he has some acclaim, just not a, a super stub. But he's going to make his MLB debut today. They gave him a really nice soft landing against the uh, Washington Nationals, which is pretty cool. You love that. But uh, they played a pretty thrilling game yesterday, Scherzer and, and Godley. Neither were particularly sharp, uh, especially after Scherzer allowed back-to-back-to-back home runs to open the game. But Godley struck out 10, and so it was an interesting 6-5 walk-off win for the Diamondbacks. Banda comes up. I don't even want to – I mean, I'm going to give the numbers in, in, in AAA PCL, but because it's the PCL, I have no idea what to make of a 508 ERA there and a 143 whip. Like, those don't – Feels like league average. Exactly. <laughs> 8.3 strikeouts, 3.8 walks, a, a homer per nine. By the way, a spike in homers. He'd always been a guy who doesn't allow homers, so I, I bet that's very much league influence. 9.0 hits, which is actually pr- pretty uh, not much higher than, than what we've seen out of him. 8.8, 8.9, 8.6. So that's kind of weird. Like Sequencing seems to be really biting because I would have thought with the, with the terrible numbers that uh, he would have been, you know, 12 hits per nine, but Anthony Banda, lefty, decent, solid, but unspectacular. Are you looking at him in any league, even in L only? Is this just a one and done because he's up to cover for uh, Taiwan Walker on the paternity oh, list? Oh, okay. It could it could very well be. You're right. You're right. So that's... It feels like a one and done situation because Taiwan Walker, um, paternity list. Uh, yeah, if he's and... still with the same woman, that means uh, Mark Rippon will be a grandfather. 
Wait, if they what? already have a kid. Yeah, yeah, Taiwan Walker was, was I believe, married to Mark Rip Mark Rippin's what? daughter. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Well, congrats to them. Uh, they... I think that. At least they were dating, engaged. I don't know. At some point, that was the case. Angela Rippin is... It doesn't say that they got married. See, this is what you come to the podcast for. I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure out whose who's baby this is. Maybe they're just not married. Because it looks like right. they might still be together. In 2014, she was reporting dating him. So maybe they're not. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Nothing on her Twitter suggests that she's pregnant. Although she hasn't posted since April 3rd. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to spend the rest of the podcast <laughs> bigger. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, okay. I think you're 100% right, though. Because, I mean, they're pretty locked in with Grinky, Ray, Corbin, Godley, and then Walker. So this is a one and done. What do you think of Banda long term? Do you have, do you have any, do you see any real upside there? Not really. I mean, when you look at the, the grades on his pitches, uh, when I'm looking at his profile page, 55 fastball, 55 curveball, 45 changeup, 40 command, that screams back end starter. Yep. That's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, let's move into our two start guys. And we're going to talk about some guys that are available in shallow leagues, and then we're going to hit the deep leagues. Let's start with the shallow. Luis Castillo. I, probably going to be a situation where his previous five articles are all going to be the podcast soon because i keep bringing this guy up but he gets at the yankees home to or excuse me at the yankees and at the marlins Luis chassin is home for a pair mets and pirates seth lugo uh, is at the padres at the mariners r.a dickey has been r.a ridiculous at arizona at philly and hyunjin ryu uh, slated to come off the DL and get a two-start week uh, home to Minnesota and the Giants. Who's your favorite among that shallow group there? Mm, um, I like Ryu. Uh, with the matchups, with the bullpen that he's got behind him. And the run support, of course. And too. the run support. He's got a like, you know, kind of like, what are they, 31-5 and five in their last 36 games? <laughs> They're so stupid dumb. what they're doing. Uh, and and weirdly, the one of the losses was getting shellacked. Alex Wood getting absolutely yeah. hammered by by his former team, the Braves, including a Jaime Garcia grand slam. Well, his trade value just went up in, in just about every format, right? I mean, quality it, start against the Dodgers, and he can hit and what? a grand slam. Come on, come on! I'm putting him in my <laughs> utility. Spot. No, but uh, Ryu would be my favorite uh, of okay. this bunch, uh, and Damn. then. Lugo, I mean, those that's okay. some nice matchups. Those, I mean, the Padre at the Padres and at Seattle, that's nice. How dare you not say Castillo is your favorite by a long shot. Um, Man, not, got, with, not, against, not, against, not against the Yankees at home. If he was in Miami, maybe. He's been killing, he's been killing everybody. I, he's had the most ridiculous set of, of opponents so far, and he hasn't been phased. He's faced Arizona twice. He's gone into Colorado. He's had the Nats. I am not sweating matchups. Now, He's gonna have one where he gets where he gets uh, tallywhacked around a little bit. I, I'm oh, he's actually faced the Nats twice, Milwaukee at Colorado and Arizona twice, like uh, home and away. That's absolutely ridiculous. And he's got a three to six ERA by fire. and forty three strikeouts uh, in thirty five innings. So I, I do like him. Um, he's probably not my favorite either. I, I, I hear you on on. The and what organization gave him up? The Marlins twice, twice, dude. <sighs> That's the funniest part, by the way, the whole, you know, they had Luis Castillo, the, the former middle infielder, but then they had this pitcher. They traded him in the Andrew Kashner deal when that part, uh, when they realized that there was some some trouble there with everything. Oh, that's right. Dan Straley was the other one. 
uh, yeah, so they put the they they Colin Ray had to go back, and Castillo was the one that was part of the undone part of that trade. It was Ray back to the Padres oh, for Castillo. Yeah. So then they're like, "No, dude, we don't want you." So then they traded him for Dan Straley. Now, in fairness, Dan Straley's been really good, so it's not like they got nothing for him. But All a right, team yeah. like that that isn't you know really going anywhere, they could use a twenty four year old flamethrower like this. And holy crap, how much would we love Castillo if he played in Miami uh, as his home park? But I really like him. I'm starting him here for sure. Um, Ryu, I'm with you. I think you scoop him. Lugo, honestly, this whole group I'm looking at, and I'm probably just rank. You know, if I'm if I'm yeah, they're not terrible. I mean, Castillo's the only one that kind of gives me some pause, and just because of the Yank- uh, the matchup in Yankee Stadium, and gives I, me and pause. I can, not running away from that. it just gives you yeah. some pause. I'm starting him, even though I know that the, the the risk there for sure. Um, and and you know, young guy still figuring it out, but the strikeouts are great. Uh, the two we haven't talked about, Ulysses Chassin, one ninety four ERA at home this year. He's been tremendous, so he gets two home starts. That's definitely something to look at. And then um, R. A. Dickey. He's been tremendous now for a while. I've been really impressed. Someone turned me on to him. I think it was in my one of my chats saying, hey, what do you think of Dickie? He's been really good lately because he'd been off my radar. Like I was not right. paying any attention. Um, he always has those slow starts, kind of lulls you into uh, ignoring him. And then when the summer comes along, he usually gets going. Now, the thing of it is, of course, when you're streaming with Dickie is that his bad ones are still going to be nightmares. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, you, you take that risk. His, his worst start uh, in this eight-game stretch that he's been on now was eight runs at Washington. Of course, you wouldn't have used him for that, so it's, you know, not that bad. Of course, he went back into Washington again a month later and put seven innings, one run up with them. So maybe maybe you would have taken that one that first one at Washington because maybe you just have to kind of start Dickey um, if you're going to have him as opposed to spotting him. But over these last eight starts, 294 ERA and 46 strikeouts against just 10 walks and 52 innings. But he goes to Arizona and to Philly. So I think with the matchups, uh, not that the Philly one's hard, but the, at Arizona, I think with the matchups, I'm putting him last. I think I'm going to go... I'm going to go Ryu, Castillo... Lugo, Chassin, Dickey. That's my order. And you go in Ryu, Lugo, and then who's your last three? Uh, uh, Ryu, what's it? Ryu, Lugo, Dickey, Castillo, and Shashin. Only, okay. only because of the run support Shashin doesn't get. That's yeah, he's got a one nine four ERA at home, but the run the offense scores two point zero four runs for him. And I don't know who they're facing in the uh, Mets and Pittsburgh matchups. There are potentially good starters. Pittsburgh's in those. pitching really good lately. <laughs> oh, dude, they've they've been on fire. They're back in it. They're yes, back they in are. it. Like they're not going to be moving pieces. All it now. took was me going to a game. That I think you are the good luck charm, dude. Why don't you go watch some Tigers games? No, I'm just kidding. They need to keep trading um, and get better than freaking Arizona prospects for JD Martinez. I honestly think that that just speaks to the market. Um, because, I mean, J.D.'s such an amazing hitter, but he's a corner outfielder who's bad at fielding, and I I just don't see a lot of uh, teams that needed him. So that's why they got three prospects from Arizona. All right, let's move on to the deep league, guys. I really don't think you should be considering these in your 10 and 12 teamers. I think beyond that is, is where you're looking. Mike Montgomery, home to the White Sox at Milwaukee. Francisco Liriano, home for the A's and Angels. Um, Jarrell Cotton at Toronto, home to Minnesota. And then Martin Perez, home to Minnesota, or excuse me, home to Miami and Baltimore. And Jesse Chavez at Cleveland, at Toronto. Who's your favorite? 
Oy. Um, deep. Yeah. We're thinking, we're thinking deep. Yeah, this is deep, all right. Uh, deep pile. I mean, Montgomery is the only one that I'm kind of like, yeah, sure. I mean, he's had, except the one blow up against Milwaukee, and that's kind of what works against them, but he did see Milwaukee earlier this, uh, earlier this month and got hit hard. He didn't make it out of the third inning. But outside of that, he he's been usable. I mean, he had a quality start his last time out against uh, against the Braves. Uh, he only went three innings against the Pirates, and, and then that was chased. I don't know if that was a weather issue or what, but uh, he's had a couple of quality starts. Looks like three or four quality starts of his last seven. So he's the only one that really like sure. But Liriano, which one's going to show up? He hasn't. He's he's had neck stiffness the last couple of outings. Hasn't allowed him to do much. I think he it. He was chased in the second inning and didn't even make it out of the first one. Um, Cotton, show me you can throw strikes before I want to get in on this. Perez, he just doesn't strike anybody out. And Chavez, it's you know we talked about the the TTOP earlier. I don't want Chavez going a second time through the order. Just do <laughs> he, the nine guys and be out. He would kind of be a perfect two to three inning guy. Um, I think that's kind of a role he used to fill before transitioning into a starter. Uh, Jesse Chavez, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in him. I know he's had some some good starts of late, and that's why I included him. Um, in fact, you know, there's two duds in the mix of these nine starts, but he has a 4.62 ERA over his last 48 and two thirds. The stu- the duds were at the Yankees and at Houston, two starts you wouldn't have used. So I don't, I don't think it's unfair to pull those. And then you're looking at seven innings, one run, five and two thirds, two runs, seven innings, two runs, five and a third, two. Five two five three six two. That's Jesse Chavez over his last nine starts with two duds that you again would have very reasonably avoided at Houston and at the Yankees. So, but at Cleveland, at Toronto, you know, if we are spotting him and we're trying to uh, get away from the tough spots, those are probably two tough spots. So uh, Chavez is on the radar, but I just don't think I can use him. Montgomery has disappointed me. I was pretty excited when he finally got into the rotation and he just hasn't been consistent enough for me to feel uh good about using him white Sox, obviously not too worried about them uh but at milwaukee definitely scares me so oh this is not great i think i would go cotton or liriano because he gets liriano gets two weak offenses and so again we're talking deep league here i think that those are the two guys i'm taking a shot on cotton liriano Montgomery, Chavez, Perez. Perez is just kind of is who he is, I guess. But Texas, I don't trust to give them to give him run support to kind of make his four fifty ish er four seventy two is what it is this year. But he can be that six and three guy. But are they going to support him with wins? So yeah, right. that, that that's my ranking. Um, but if you're if you're fishing too much in this pool, you're already in some trouble, even in deep league. So be careful there. All right, Jason, let's talk about some potential all-formats, guys. It's a new segment that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. I like it. Just talking about some hitters that are uh, that are rolling and ask, you know, should they be all-formats? And if not, well, let's assess how many, what kind of formats they should be in. Let's start with Yohan Makata, um, who got, got the call finally. Uh, they have 5,000 other great prospects for you to watch, though, Jason, so don't worry. None you know, of them are here. i got to drive a little bit they're further. Getting there. They're going to get there. Don't worry. I get Giolito and Lopez. Now I only get to watch pitchers. you got some great summers coming up that are going to – you can't you can't miss, right? Like no matter when you go, there's going to be two or three guys that you want to watch, even if other guys you know, either aren't pitching or aren't getting um, – you know, or get a day off, whatever. But Moncada, MLB top prospect, 
no worse than I think second on all the lists this year. Uh, actually, he was fifth at Baseball Perspectives. Hmm. I didn't. What do that. they know? What do they? What, <laughs> when did they oh, study? Seriously. Yeah. Um, no. Okay, so the 22-year-old hit 12 homers, 17 stolen bases, 282, 377, 447, triple slash at Charlotte. It looks like the playing time, like put them, set it, and forget it. Should you take them in every format, though, just in case with Yohan Mankata? So I was thinking about this earlier. I have a tough time with a 10-team mixed league, and this is why. Because right now, depending on your league rules, he may only qualify at third base. Correct. All right? So let's, I mean, Arenado, Ramirez, Lamb, Shaw, Rendon, Sano, Moustakis, Marvin Gonzalez, Chris Bryant, Justin Turner, Uleski Guriel. I mean, that's what thirteen names that I've that I've rattled Healy, off. Josh Harrison, Jed Jerko, Chris Taylor's been out of his mind. He qualifies there. Miguel Sano, did you say him? Yep. Jose, Jose Ramirez. There's enough guys at first base. So if you have to start him at the corner or third base, it's a little. It's not a guarantee. To me, it's not a guarantee. Now, if he qualifies at second base, if you can use second base or middle infield, and then I say yes, yeah. if he's already got that eligibility. But if you're stuck at the, if you're if you're like a a, a ten game in league qualifying, still got a it's week. tough. Yep. Yeah, you still got a week. If you're a five game, you still have a week. Right, I will say he'll this. he'll get his today, but I mean I think he'll get it uh, tomorrow rather. But I, I don't think it's an no, automatic in a ten team mix, in a ten team mix league. He's only played two games, so even if you're at five game, he doesn't have it yet in those leagues for tomorrow's bidding. He's going to play Saturday today and tomorrow. That's going to be that's just going to be four games so far. So you know, Mankata, it's it's tough. Um, now here's the thing: if you got reserve, I I I think he does need to be bid upon in every league. Um, or, or scooped off the waiver wire in, in every, even in 10 teamers, in terms of putting, being able to put him on reserve just because of what can happen uh, if he goes off and he has speed. But like you said, in terms of starting him, it's, it's hard right now. I think it is a, a, a stash and hold sort of situation, which I'm sure he was being held. And let's not forget, he struck out twenty eight percent. He was striking out 28% clip here in AAA, uh, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And when I watched, uh, fastballs aren't his problem. And it he, was, he hunts for him, but it was sixty percent last stuff, year. Yeah, off-speed stuff, not so much. Uh, but he's got real power. He's got real speed. I mean, the athleticism's there. Everything's great. But um, again, ten-team mixed league. I don't think it's an automatic start. Y'all, Moncada, now you here? That's for you, Chris and Bogman. You clowns. Gerardo <laughs> um, Parra, last twenty games. Now this includes a DL stint. So these last twenty games actually span back to May because he, he missed some time. But uh, before he went on the DL and coming right off the DL, last 20 games, Gerardo Parra has been out of his mind. 554, 562, 815 with three homers, ni- 19 runs, and 23 ribbies. What are we doing about Gerardo Parra? Is this somebody that uh, that you need to have in every league, being being a Colorado Rocky? God, he's such a soft spot for me. I, he, I usually try to find him in drafts, especially this year, because I was like, oh, he's going to get to play he at home. Free. He was free. Just, this he year. was free, and but he did, really stumbled out of the gate. You know, when you look at the rest of their schedule, they're getting ready to wrap. They're wrapping up. They're wrapping up a, a homestand now. Then they go on the road a little bit, but then they got a lot of home games in August. I'm looking at three, six, nine, twelve. Let's see, 3, 6, 9, 12, uh, 13, 16 home games in August. Whew. And then another 22, 25, 28, 30, 
thirty, and then if go if we go into October, thirty one. So he's got a lot of home a lot of home games left. Um, it's about a fifty fifty split, and then you figure. We know what's going to happen. We know what can happen in September when rosters expand and they get to face. Man, the schedule is so sweet. If you're owning these Rockies, the last half, the last couple of weeks of the season, Padres, Giants, Padres, Marlins. Yes. Then they close out against Holy the Dodgers. Crap. That's the tough part. But at, by that point, I mean the Dodgers will have won the division by September second. Yeah. What if they're um, just situating the team and they're and they're letting. Clowns, oh, they're though. totally gonna have like Kershaw come out and throw one inning on Friday, and you know that kind of thing. It'll be like a spring training game uh, at that point. But that's what the rest of their schedule looks like. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'd be trying to stack up on some Rockies at this point. Yeah, and I know that outfield's been incredible this year, so it might be tough to to initially kind of fit somebody like Parr into the mix. But the 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 batting average and even some pop has really been there. That offense is obviously humming. So runs and RBIs are going to be there. You know he doesn't run anymore. He was never a great runner, but uh, he's 0 for 4 this year. So probably has a, at least a yellow light, if not a red light. But I think Harada Par is somebody that should be on a roster in every league. Uh, he is one of those where it might not be your roster, and I, I know that's annoying. You're like, God, he's out there on the wire, but I have nobody to cut. But there's in even in ten teamers, there's one or two teams out there that at least need him. And then 12 and beyond, I think pretty much everyone can fit him. Uh, you just mentioned Yulieski Gurriel uh, when we were talking Moncada because of third base. He's been tremendous. Last 40 games hitting 341, 358, 604 with eight homers, 34 ribs, and 27 runs. Obviously being part of that team is always great. Uh, anybody that you can get on Houston. Is Yulieski Gurriel Gurriel somebody that should be owned in all formats? Yeah, he's been a monster of late. Uh, you mentioned that. Just the runs driven. and he's, He has a bunch of guys on in front of him. I was on with uh, Joe Pisapia and Lar Michaels on the uh, the Fantasy Sports Network uh, Tout Wars Hour. And they're like, yeah, your team made the surge. You've been in first place a bunch the last couple of weeks. Looks like you're about a point back now. You know, how did you get hot? And I'm like, because I have Astros. That's pretty much my success <laughs> exactly. story. I have a bunch of – I have Altuve, I have Reddick, and I have Gurriel. Um, and those guys have been on fire. And just Gurriel seems like he just keeps coming up with dudes on base. He went four for four the other night. I think it was Thursday night. Uh, and just impressed with what he's been able to do with the plate. The plate coverage is nice. When he's hitting the ball, he's, he's making really good contact, putting it down the line, putting it in the gaps, putting it over the fence. Um, and then when he's on, everybody's returning the favor and driving him in. He's been uh, just a joy to own this year. He doesn't walk, but he doesn't strike out. So nope. I'm I'm cool with that. 300 average for the entire season. So it's not just the hot run building building his average. He's been good. He's been good with the average all year, but then adding a little bit of the power and of course the runs and RBIs are what really takes him to the next level. And again, I know the corner spots are both deep, but I still think you got to find a way to get. Pretty much every starting Astro on, on, on a team somehow. Paul DeYoung, somebody we talked about a while ago, uh, talking about the Cardinals' devil magic, and he's just kept it going. Uh, his, his season line right now is 278, 293. That's kind of gross. 543 with 10 homers, 24 ribbies, 20 runs in 44 games. I've explained that I'm a little bit concerned about the, uh, the, the profile going mm-hmm. long-term, but he continues to get it done, and I believe he's shortstop eligible. So... Does Paul DeYoung need to be on a roster in every format? Uh, with position eligibility, sure. It just it concerns me when I see a sub-300 on-base percentage. Yeah, that, that's so and that gross. stretch and just the gigantic gap between strikeouts and walks. I mean, he's striking 30%. out 15 times for every walk. Yeah, 30% gap. 32% strikeout rate. 
two percent walk rate, sixteen percent swinging strike rate too. So you you know it's 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 part of his game. O swing percentage outside of the zone, thirty eight percent. So it's clicking right now. Three fifty BABIP, twenty percent homer to fly ball rate. But being a sh- so I'm torn right. I'm on the fence. I'm saying like I'm worried about some fall off. But it's shortstop, and shortstop is so bad, and he's playing all the time on a, on a pretty quality team. So I do think he has to be. But I, I guess what I would say, yes, he does have to be on a roster in every league, but get contingencies ready if, if, yeah. if it happens to be your team because I do think that the devil magic runs out on him, um, unlike, say, Tommy Pham, who I'm, I'm still so hyped on. Like The guy does something every single day. He does. And he's got the he's got the plate skills and the profile to to support I mean, that bomb it, so. he hit the other night. Let's see, you guys recorded Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I think he hit one on Thursday. It was, and I was just like, holy cow! It's it's been nuts, and I didn't even it wasn't put him cheap. on. <laughs> I didn't even put him on this list because I think he absolutely should be. Like I, I just don't see how you're not when he's got 13 homers and 13 stolen bases with a 3.12 average, and again a, a profile to support. Um, you know, maybe not that exact line, but even something resembling it pretty nicely. Uh, Nicholas Castellanos, last 25 games, 333, 379, 634 with six homers, 17 ribbies, and 16 runs. Um, he's been hitting for power all year, and it's one of those things where a bunch of Tigers have like great exit velocities and, and tons of barrels and all these launch angle. You know, everything's looking good. Except the results haven't been there. You know, we talked about Miguel Cabrera, who's having a tough season, but the the skills support is there. Castellanos is right there with him, um, but he's but he's finally starting to get some of the results. Does Nick Castellanos have to be on a on a team in every league? Yeah, but I've the games that I've watched and watched his approach at the play, especially with his power back up the middle. I mean, he's when I saw a home run, he hit directly to dead center field, and it just and that's like, part of a lot problem. of loud contact. That's part of the problem, by the way, and I say problem only because of the park that he plays in. Yeah, it's great to have up the up the middle power like that, and it, it can translate into oppo power as well. But Tigers uh, Comerica Park is not the place for either up the middle or oppo for right hander. Do you think they make another adjustment to that park? I could totally see it. It has really become a problem, and this year is really highlighting it with several of their players just having these amazing loud outs on the warning track that that went 405 but it didn't go out like it's insane uh i I think it's i think it's 422 to dead center um it's too big it's nuts and you know jd martinez was having some of it too obviously his results were there same with justin upton uh he's having good results but he can be even better too they're all crushing the ball i could see it i could see it we'll see i mean they're about to go into a lull um it's going to be a dark time for Tigers fans in the next few dark years. Dark time here. starts right now when you've got Mikey Maddock and Alex Presley as starting outfielders. Center field. Hey, but they didn't need Cameron Maven apparently. And I know he's hurt, but the that move didn't make sense at the time and it continues to not make sense. They had Alex nobody Presley. in center field. They got nobody to call up either. I mean, unless they no. think Jacoby Jones is is a real thing, it which he cl- isn't. Clearly isn't though because uh, he, he got his they chance. Just got and no, they have nobody. So what the hell didn't they just keep Maven for? No clue. He was not expensive. Um, they didn't get anything special for him because, they, again, they traded with the Angels. Stop trading with the teams that don't have farm systems. For <laughs> F's sake, dude. You could trade with the Braves, and their freaking 20th prospect is somebody better than you're going to get from the top five on the Angels or the damn Diamondbacks. What are you doing, dude? Next trade is going to be with the – Oh, God, I want to swear. With the Giants, it's driving me nuts. 
Um, anyway, but yeah, maybe never should have been traded. That was stupid. He was pretty salty about it because I guess because it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, I think Cassiano's somebody you really want to try to get a little bit more fringe in terms of because that third base is so deep. But he really is clubbing the ball, and he can be a batting average and power guy when he's going and when when the results are there. So I would uh, again definitely on that um, thing where it might not be your roster. Uh, but somebody should probably have him in most most formats for sure. Yeah. Last one is Josh Bell. We've talked about him a few different times. His powers really come alive this year. I did not think that it was going to be a major part of his game, but uh, part of it's he's selling out for. It, but it, it, it's it's really coming together. Last two months, two seventy seven, three fifty three, five thirty five, with eight homers, thirty one ribbies, and twenty four runs. That's pretty nice. Um, now, first base is what makes it tough, but I think he has first base outfield, which doesn't help that much. Well, it depends what your league qualification is. He had 16 games in the outfield last year. So in most leagues, he's first base only, which makes it tough for Josh Bell. But I'll ask anyway, should he be owned in all formats? You know, his power goes goes to all fields, too, because you saw him Definitely. hit a home run, uh, the left field, the, the walk-off home the run. The walk-off against O. Yes, yes, that was it. Um, it's just the position thing. Get, you know, kind of the same thing with Moncada because you can rattle off ten first basemen, oh, and we can rattle. We can, rattle we can easily 20. rattle off. We can easily rattle off thirty first and third guys. So yep. that occupies corners. So I can't. He's not ten team eligible, but that's that's. He's twelve team. He's bench twelve team. team um, and again, maybe there's that one team that could use him uh, in their starting lineup. But he's bench twelve team right now because it is just some really incredible power that we have to keep an eye on. It's I think a two thirty ISO, which is which is really strong. Um, I really like Josh Bell. I like him more for the future. Uh, I would say if you are kind of looking toward the future and you play in a dynasty league or a keeper league that uses a lot of keepers, not if you're in like a four keeper league or something yeah. like that. But if you start going, you know eight and beyond and and their cost comes into it as well because obviously he was a super late pick or a waiver pickup or a single digit uh, type of player that's where i like josh bell so it's really more of a long-term thing but right now even with his surge i can't really see it because second base is insane uh jason that's going to pretty much wrap us up here i want to mention one more time we've been mentioning every week uh, the baseball hq uh, first pitch Arizona Fall League forum going to be coming up in November, but you got to sign up now. Uh, it's 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 the greatest thing we do every year. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that we rave about it every time. November second through the fifth this year, uh, there are still early bird discounts, but you did just miss one. But you have through August sixteenth to get it for two ninety nine. Uh, that gets you the, the the tickets to the four games, the entire event plus the baseball forecaster and minor league analyst. We're both going to be there. I could tell you the other guys, but I just said we're both going to be there. Who the hell else do you care about yeah. being Does there, Does it matter? Jason? No, obviously. We are going to be there. That's the reason to go. But, no, it's it's so great. Like, I, would, I can't say I'm already looking forward to it only because I don't want the baseball season to end. But, honestly, once October hits, I'm like, oh, my God. We get playoffs and then Arizona Fall League. And it, it it's a great thing because – Usually you're lamenting the end of baseball in October, but instead you have something to look forward to. It's a, just a great weekend. Fall League, what are your thoughts, Jason? Yeah, it absolutely is. Looking forward to seeing uh, more people. I saw somebody tweet a couple of weeks ago, I think they were listening, that said they were going to the, they were going to the AFL because we've talked about it so much. Saw three different ones. Three different tweets have come through. So, so love that. Dude, uh, this is awesome. the husband and wife that were going. 
Uh, yes, that's I was like, right. that's awesome. That's right. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that that, that uh, piece, and it can't it can't honestly can't get here soon enough. It's 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 just so fun. So uh, we definitely recommend that. The the link will be in the notes. BaseballHQ.com will get you there. Uh, BaseballHQ.com slash first dash pitch dash Arizona. That's why I just put the link because you're not going to remember that. Jason, I'm going to get you out of here. Go enjoy time with the family, yeah, and, and I will talk to you next oh, wait, week. Next we're week on. We're on. I will, uh, but we got to record earlier in the day. I am going to the Charlotte Knights game next Saturday night with a bunch of people from the uh, fitness okay. place that I no longer am allowed to work out at while I'm hurt. Uh, but a bunch of us are going. Right a bunch now. of us, uh, probably 30, 40 people are going to that. So I've got that, and I get home. I will be in New York City oh, all week uh, nice. this week, leaving on the train uh, tomorrow morning because I'm not allowed to fly yet. Uh, so I'm taking oh, the train right. up, and I'm taking the train back on Friday. So I'll get to watch uh, some baseball on the on the train tomorrow with uh, the free Wi-Fi and my device. And uh, looking forward to it. See how 13 and a half hours in the, in the train goes. But okay. uh, <laughs> but I'm good for next week. Yeah, well, you got to stop. You've you've got you've got multiple stops in North Carolina as you get over to Raleigh, and then you head north, and you got to stop at Petersburg and Fredericksburg, and and thisburg and thatburg and D.C. and Baltimore. It's just like thirteen stops or so along the way where you pick up some people. But I'm like, hey, it's better than driving, and I have to be up. I have to be up in New York City this week. Hopefully, the recovery is going well. We will be back next week. I will have a solo episode coming up soon too. I started recording one, and then I scrapped it. So there wasn't one this week. But there will be one next week, guaranteed. And uh, Jason, I'll talk to you later. All right. See you, man.